0: This is CliffCentral.com.
1: Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And Ramon is present. And, um, this is a podcast that Jonathan has been working on for a very long time to get together.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, not, uh, the simplest to do, cause our guest today is in a country where he literally this morning, before he could come on the podcast, had to go and get his sort of stipend of water. Um, so I said, you know, can, can you do it at this time? Sorry. I've, I've got to collect water for my house and family at that time. That's, that's the kind of uh, situation he's in. So, um, yeah, we've been trying to get him on for quite a while and uh, I think should be a good discussion uh, and quite an honest discussion on the real situation happening in Venezuela.
1: Right. So, I mean, Venezuela has been in the news, especially last year, uh, with protests, allegations of uh, citizens eating stray animals, eating their pets, uh, shortages, uh, the collapsing government infrastructure. So we thought, let's get an actual, you know, Resident of Venezuela onto the podcast and see how life is really like and, um, whether what is being written about Venezuela is accurate or not. Yeah.
0: I mean, we were just chatting off air and you mentioned that on our previous podcast, someone asked about hope,
1: uh, and about hope for South Africa, for example. Right. And I answered that, you know, hope is, is, is a meaningless term, but things can go much, much worse than yeah. what we, than what it is. And in South Africa, Compared to Venezuela, this is Dubai. Sure. Without the sand. That said, definitely
0: there are warning signs uh, and there are similarities and uh, those are important to take note of and that's why the ideas we talk about all the time and on every podcast are important. Uh, and they're important to think about. They're
1: important to debate. No, but, but the fundamental thing is the ideas that we espouse... Are based on individual rights, mm-hmm. uh, devolution of power, and ensuring that the frailty of humanity is not determined by powerful people. Or, like, or, a, or a single person. Or a single person. Because I have flaws, Jonathan has flaws, you are listening have flaws, would you want a person… Of any kind To be in charge of Your bank Your water Your electricity What you're allowed to see What you're allowed to hear What you're allowed to Spend your money on uh, If you have money at all <laughs> And um, On On your house On if Do you want your decision dictated by A person If you do And that person is Julius Listen very intently To this podcast Because this is a consequence Of what the EFF want.
0: Absolutely. All right. So, uh, let's get him on the line. Hi, Caleb. How are you today?
2: Good morning, sir. How are you?
0: Well, well, thanks. Uh, yes, morning in... Uh, you're in Caracas. Yes,
2: that's correct. It's almost 10 a.m. here right
0: now. All right. So, our first Venezuelan guest on the show. So, uh, welcome. Well, first South American guest, I think. Yeah, indeed. So, that's that's great. And uh, huh. we... We, uh, we've been trying to organize this for quite a while. Sorry on our part uh, for not making it happen sooner. Uh, we, we really wanted to get insights. You know, there's, there's a lot of reporting, uh, in the media, obviously on, on Venezuela, on the situation there. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, obviously politically everyone has opinions. Uh, and I think we know from a South African perspective, that it can be very easy to just say broad things about a country. So our country is very violent, for example. So, you know, we've got a very high murder rate. So people just assume that, you know, if you come here, you're very highly likely to, to be killed. And that's, that's also not true. So I think we, we really just want to get um, some understanding of Venezuela, of what's going on there. Do you want to kind of start at the, I suppose at the beginning of, 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 of where the current situation all kind of Went downhill.
2: All right. Uh, so everything really started around the beginning of, of 2010. The, the the you you could start to see the effects of economic crisis even back then, but the things have have really have really taken have been dialed to eleven over the past uh, uh, three to four years. Specifically, especially last year. Last year was just from my economic standpoint. It was just a huge disaster for us. Everything, everything just went downhill so fast and so quick that we, we, we are still, we are still surprised at uh, or, or everything that happened. 2017 was really a rocky year for Venezuela. We had a few protests. We have an intense political turmoil. Uh, and now we are on a hyperinflationary spiral. Yeah. yeah, our currency, our currency's value plummeted so so rapidly, so fast um, <clears> that it's very common to see prices prices racing at least one or two times per week here.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. So this does this all begin with Hugo Chavez? Is 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 that a, a fair uh, thing to say?
2: I. I it's you can blame it on him, but during the first years of his government, things weren't that bad. I mean, he he started with a with a high acceptance rate. Uh, he started doing some great work at the beginning. I have to admit it, even though I don't agree with most of his views, and he had the charisma to run the country, and you know, and for the most part, it worked well until <clears throat> and then during the late the late the second half of the of the 2000s, we had a huge oil bonanza, and that, that was very instrumental in keeping his government steady and, his go- uh, and very lovable by everyone, because he, he started to invest some part of the oil revenue in social programs, and for the most part, it worked. I mean, the, it, 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 everyone was happy, everyone started to work. But as soon as the oil prices started to plummet, it all became so unviable. And after he died in 2013, the government started to go in a full every-man-for-himself mode, and and it shows. Uh, There's billions of dollars that simply vanish from our reserves. Uh, Everything started to decay so so fast, and it it just became unviable. That, that, that's the whole system just, uh, and it collapsed upon its own weight.
1: So, Caleb, just for a bit of context, so historically, Venezuela was one of, if not the richest country in South America. I think it was during the 80s, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yes, there was a huge period of time where our currency was worth even more than the US dollar.
1: Right, and then there was a, a crash of sorts in the nineties, and then and then Hugo yes. Chavez was elected, as and he, he was, was an avowed socialist even when he was elected. I mean, he was elected democratically.
2: Yes, that's correct. He he tried a military coup back in nineteen ninety two. Yes, but he failed. Right. He was jailed for a few years. He was released, and then he
1: became more active in the political side of things, and and. Right, right. And he's and when he became president, he was an, an avowed socialist and he said he would use the wealth of the nation, i.e. oil, to improve the li- you know, improve the lives of, of the citizens. And that happened for a while because oil prices were very high for a number of years during his presidency. When he was first elected in 1988,
2: the oil price was about $7 per barrel. It wasn't much and uh, That was in the a huge pillar of his political of his government program. Sorry, he, b- back then his his priority was to enact a new constitution, to rewrite our constitution uh, and to establish a new republic. His his whole movement was called the Fifth Republic Movement back then. Uh, after his first re-election in 2006, that's when he started to go more in the socialist side of things, more more openly at least.
1: Right. So, so before then, what, um, what when when he was first elected? Uh, when was he elected the first time? Two thousand and two, I believe.
2: Ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. Uh,
1: Nineteen ninety eight. Sorry. Uh, what were his policies back then, or what were his? What was he saying about what he wanted to achieve?
2: All right. So he he first presented himself as an outsider, like a, a position a new uh, something new. Because we went through forty years of a bipartisan government, uh, they they keep swapping around each other, and after the collapse, the economic crash of the eighties and the rocky nineties, the, the people wanted change. People wanted something new, and that's how how he presented himself. He presented this this new paradigm of rewriting the constitution, making. Huge changes to the way things work, to make it, make it more socially acceptable, so to speak, to make to enact some sort of social justice. Not 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 that word, but you know what I'm trying to say. To... What
0: what was it at the time? Do you think that made people ready for his message? That made it fertile ground because i you know i'm I'm seeing some similarities with our country for example, where we are currently you know present day um and we have um quite populist type uh people in in our politics um and you know the the we've got a lot of poverty for example and and economic strife that's making uh their message sort of spread uh quite a lot even though it's not the, the best message. So, What was it in Venezuela?
2: Yes, like I said, uh, we had a huge economic crash in the 80s. It was known as the Black Friday. Black Friday for us doesn't mean happy sales <laughs> and everything. <It laughs> don't, just means, don't buy all the gifts. Yes, yes, it means something totally different. It was a, a very bad month for, uh, for our economy. And the 90s were very rocky too, the late 80s and, and, and early 90s. So people were just tired. People wanted something new because what well, we had was, wasn't working anymore. And he rallied much of that, that disgust, that, that discontent towards his populist. It was a populist campaign, but he played his card right and he won fair and square. That, uh, that, no, nobody can deny that. He actually won fair and square.
0: Yeah. Democrat- but, democratically elected.
2: Yes. Uh, he, he promises what what he promised he actually did it he wanted to change the constitution he, he wanted to make a, a better a new and more uh, an improved republic that's more or less a- all
0: right and 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 then you know the 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 mid to late 2000s uh obviously oil uh screams up. So I think 2008, 2009, it's somewhere around $40 a barrel. And by the time we're in 2011, 2012, it's sitting over $100 a barrel, $110, $120 a barrel. Um, obviously, that drives a lot of wealth into the country. We've seen it with the um, Gulf states, uh, places like the United Arab Emirates and Qatar. Um, and uh, as you say, that drove his agenda quite a bit at which point uh, w- was the nationalization of the uh, oil companies
2: the oil company was always uh, our main one Peravesa, ha- has always been in the hands of the government mm-hmm. but during that time during the the, the 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 second half of the 2000s he started to nationalize the, the some some oil fields and He started to nationalize the telephone industry and many, many things. That's around that time. That's when he started to have more control of the oil industry as a whole.
1: Right. So, so, so the oil company was always a a state-owned enterprise, as we call them here. And then, using the money from the oil company, he, he tried and he nationalized a whole lot of other sectors of the economy too. At the same time. Yes. And also yes.
2: back sorry, back in two thousand two there was a coup attempt attempt on him. Uh, but it failed. And later that year in December, there there was an oil there was an oil strike that backfired that spectacularly because that's how he that's was his excuse to gain more control of the oil industry because people tried to sabotage it
1: right, right, so, so, I mean, as with most I mean, we have it you know quite similar here, under the guise of protecting in your case venezuela uh, it's a it's a power grab actually
2: yes it's it's always a power
1: grab right <laughs> there's more more patronage, more lucre for the governing political party uh that money is used to. To break up democracy in essence yes. all right
2: <clears throat> so during during the, that second half of the to, uh, past decade, he also nationalized uh, a few industries the metal industry uh, gas you, you name it, you name it, and he nationalized it because even some food companies, some banks and <clears throat> he started to invest that oil bonanza in in exerting more control of things, and also to expand his influence around the region.
1: Yes, indeed, indeed. And then, so let's get to, so he passed away in 2013. Things are already not looking as rosy as they once were in Venezuela, largely because the oil price uh, came down dramatically within a matter of months. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. Maduro, Maduro comes up, who was his successor, well, who is his successor. And... Maduro strikes me as a man who has none of the charisma, and but twice the malevolence. If that makes sense. Yeah, yes. He tried so hard during the during the first months of his
2: of his presidency, the first time. He tried so hard to emulate Chavez. He started to even dress up like him and, and tried to copy his minor reasons and everything. But it just didn't didn't work. It didn't work because you, you can't just Expect to copy somebody that was as charismatic like that, like in a flash, you just can't.
1: Yeah, yeah. So now to get to the present day, um, so Maduro comes in, and then there's there's another crisis, an economic crisis um, based on the oil price. So if you can explain what has Maduro done during the course of time. Since then to now, we get headlines about he's increased the minimum wage by 50%. He is limit, he's rationing food. He's rationing water. Um, large parts of the country are without electricity at certain times of the day. Uh, so on the ground today, what is it like and what has your lifestyle been like for the past two, three years?
2: Well, it's been a struggle for survival. I mean, the first few years, if I can't resume it to, uh, a single phrase. It would be, it, it it can get worse. If you think it it can't get any worse, it can, because the moment you think things can, will get better, they just start to get rapidly worse. And like you said, we have now we have water problems. As right now, I don't have water in my house. We we only get water around from Wednesday to Sunday. And right now, I don't have any water. There have been huge electricity problems around the city over the past, over the country over the past years. There's now shortages of everything from, from food to medicines. Mm. There, there isn't a single thing that works the way it should. And uh, there's, there uh, Maduro implemented a system or his government, when the whole thing started to go south, that there are certain products that have been regulated by the government that people have to sell at a loss due to their price speculations. And you can only buy a few amounts of this every now and then. And it all depends on your, your the last number of your ID. For example, mine ends in eight. So I can only buy certain things on Fridays. Um, <clears throat> yes, it's, people don't believe me when I say that. Uh, <clears throat> And every year they're trying to, they're always implementing some sort of new control, some sort of new way to regulate what little they have. And now they have this new I, uh, carnet de la patria. It's some sort of new super ID card that they want to get, they want pe- to force people to get it in order to get, get benefits and, and stuff. It's, it's some sort of political control tool. It's, it's nothing more than that.
1: Yeah, as most of these things tend to be. So there's, there's a lot of reports about, um, animals being eaten, um, uh, lots of scavenging happening. And then I want to get to, to the protest from last year. So, I mean, I, see, so basically there's not enough food and what they're trying to do is just to control when one is able to get food and at what price. They're not letting people or consumers dictate supply and demand.
2: Exactly. They are the ever since 2003, there have been, there has been items under under a huge uh, and very strict price control. For example, a floor, let's say toilet paper, a few toiletries, uh, rice, and things. And during those years, it, it companies could afford selling that at a loss. Because other products could, you know, could sustain that the, yeah, the, the loss the in revenue, fill the gap exactly. Sorry, the thing is, my English isn't that that good yet.
0: Don't worry, my uh, Spanish <laughs> is terrible.
2: <laughs> All right, but during those years, during those years, they could, you know, fill the gap. But now, with the, with the inflation as it is right now, it just became inviolable. So nobody is producing at a loss or wants to produce at a loss and and you see all it only makes the shortages worse for example a few around a month or two ago they started to regulate the price of meat and chicken products so now you can't find any meat and chicken in in, in supermarkets because nobody wants to sell them at a loss
0: yeah and and you know as ramon alluded to what what are people doing for food because we, obviously we we hear a lot of rumors but is that just Sort of um, speculation and 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 stories that are kind of made up, or or are things as desperate as as some of the um, reports suggest?
2: Things are as desperate, then. Uh, I mean, you you can go to a supermarket and try to find you can find stuff, but it's so expensive that not everyone can, is able to afford it. So also, the government has this new club, it's some sort of. Uh, a monthly box of supplies that they sell you for cheap, subsidized, but it's not, not everyone has access to it, and you don't get it with, with the, the frequency that it should arrive, and it's just not enough. It's just a small box with a few, a few items, and that's it. So, but it's, it's another way of controlling people through food.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. With regards to the protests, so obviously, you know, the, the country starts to fail. The state, the state is failing to to deliver on on anything it's it, it should, and then also on a whole bunch of the areas it's taken over, which it shouldn't have, but it's failing to deliver on those areas as well. Um, and and people did take to the streets. I do remember quite uh, significant numbers, if if I recall. Is that is that that yeah. correct? And, and and then there was some violence as well.
2: Yes, uh, the, the, we we had a few rocky months from from March to July. There were over a hundred people died. There mm. were protests all across the, the nation. But what sparked them was that people were were growing with. They were already, you know, the the the, the, the distrust and disgust with the government was growing, and when they tried to to neutralize the and dissolve the the opposition that Congress. That was like the last straw. And that was part of the protest back then. But uh protests as a whole died after July, after Maduro he enacted a new constituent assembly that has the power to rewrite the constitution and has the power to do everything and anything they want. And after they they enacted their constituent assembly, the protests kinda died because the opposition leadership kind of sold out its people, and they left them to their own, their own. and people just gave up. But now yeah, there, have, there have been a few protests here and there, and nothing too major, but they are starting again in January.
1: So essentially it's becoming, it has become a, a, a one-party state. Yes. All right. I mean, the the facade of democracy has faded away. Especially, exactly. after the, especially after the latest, uh, yeah, after the Maduro's latest um, act in in parliament. Um, so, a question, Caleb: What mm-hmm. ordinary people whose whose way of life and whose wealth has you know has been reduced to almost zero at this stage? What what do they say? Like, what what are people talking about there? I mean, everyone's desperate. Everyone's just—you
2: uh, uh, have to put you have put aside everything, all their goals, all their dreams—and it's just a matter of survival. Everyone's just desperate trying to survive, trying to escape the country if they can. But not everyone has the means to do so, because uh, there's only eleven airlines left, and what—the what, prices are astronomically huge, and not everyone can just simply afford a plane ticket out. Everyone's just trying to do other things, so uh, came up with solutions to, to to their economic problem, but it's nearly impossible. It's, it's, it's a struggle, it's a fight you can't, you will eventually lose. Can't possibly hope to win against all of the, the inflation and everything.
0: And if people do try to leave, where can they go? I mean, uh, or are you welcomed in in other South American countries, or, or you know, I, I know your your country doesn't have the best relationship with the United States, but as can you go there as almost a refugee, or or, or how does it, how does it work?
2: Uh, it really depends on how many resources do you have at your disposal, economic resources. Uh, for example, Peru has been very receptive of Venezuelans as of late. But on the contrast, Panama uh, has been very xenophobic towards us. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. People are fleeing anywhere they can, from Peru, Chile, Argentina, even America. I mean, trying to get refugees status in America is quite hard, to say the least. But some countries have started to be more receptive towards us.
0: All right. And... Um yeah I, you you ramon wants to yeah sorry i actually
1: I actually want to mm-hmm. talk about not anarchy so all, but the state is failing to do anything correctly um, including giving you your most basic rights has have there been uh cooperatives uh communal you know people getting together to do stuff on their own without using the venezuelan currency um, you know, is is like I assume something like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency could be quite a an important thing for you or for Venezuelans in general.
2: Yes, there have been cases of certain communities coming up with their own sort of currency. Even uh, some pro-government ones have started to ditch away the Bolivar in favor of their own local thing. And as for cryptocurrencies, yeah, yeah Bitcoin has been some sort of hidden secret around people, those that have the knowledge to do and the, the equipment to mine it, because not everyone has can afford uh, all the equipment. and But the problem is that for the past few years, the police has been harassing those that mine crypt, cryptocurrencies. So it's kind of dangerous. And now the government wants to implement their own cryptocurrency but it's very regulated by the government. It's very controlled. You need to register with them. You need to let them know your computer specs, where do you live and everything. So it it kind of defeats the purpose of anonymity and privacy that other cryptocurrencies
1: have. Yeah, of course. I mean, the the, the key features are decentralization and anim- anonymity. Of, a, yes, of I mean, that's the point of cryptocurrency. It's unbelievable to hear the government trying to uh, – well,
0: it's not unbelievable that they would try. It's just uh, interesting to hear them actually trying
1: it's, to take over a crypto. It's, it's another this. form of control. Yeah. That's all it is. Yes. That's all it they is. Want
2: to- they have tied. They want to tie the value of the new cryptocurrency to the, the price of the oil barrel. Of an but oil barrel. But apparently,
1: okay. yes.
2: But they will be. They will be the ones that will mine it, and you have to buy it from them. That, that's that's all we know. It's still <laughs> new. <laughs> they haven't released any. I'm sure
0: that worked out well with your fiat currency.
2: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. all um,
1: right. But yeah, yeah, but so, but going back, I mean, have there been communities, like have, have private enterprises or private businesses or private individuals taking over government services for, for, you know, for, for real, for the real price that something should, um, that, that something is worth. So, for example, in South Africa, the police force is, is fairly terrible. They don't do their jobs well at all. That's quite corrupt and they're not well trained. Um, so there's four security guards to every one policeman in this country. So a lot of people who can afford it have security guards to patrol their neighborhoods or their offices or their houses. So in Venezuela, I understand with, with the inflation, you know, prices change all the time, but are people able to get away from government services altogether? And create their own mini private economy.
2: No, it's they they won't allow it. (laughs) That's impossible. But there have been cases of, of you know, of 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 communities and communes trying to trade goods and services for for other stuff, uh, steering away from the Bolivar because Bolivar has no value. Uh, It it, it basically worth nothing. Not even the paper it's printed on. But private security, I mean, not not, not all private securities have, have now access to guns. So they're kind of moved by now. And not everyone can afford them. I mean, they were expensive before, and now they're not highly. And
0: And with regards to your security, your p- police service um is, is that a very corrupt thing or are the police a group of people you can trust at all? Um, even when you're not doing anything against the government, let's say you are robbed, uh, would you, you know, would it be normal for people just to go to the police or would they just rather not? Cause there's no point really. The police won't help them.
2: I mean, I, I'm not going to generalize because I, I, I know there's good people in the police, but hmm. it's very corrupt. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> They tried to merge back then uh, every city or every region had had their own police force right uh, they merged most of them into a huge national police head, head squadron and and it's just a disaster yes it's a complete disaster so, between them and the national yeah. between them and the national guard people know that they're the first ones that, that, that will rob you
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's i mean. And it's actually quite remarkable how much control that the government has taken from from ordinary citizens and from uh i mean could anybody foresee this coming along no um i mean it's five years of absolute hell and no way and the only way to fight back is through violence at this rate because you can't disengage from it because they won't allow you you can't use other currencies because they will Find you and take your equipment away. They won't allow you to sell your your wares at the price you want because they want to. Re- they will regulate that or beat you up if you don't. I mean, is there any way to actually get out of this other than just fighting the state? <laughs> I, people have
2: said that the, the, the democratic elections is the only way. I, I kind of believe in that, but you can't no longer trust the, the the system. You can't even trust the that the, the electoral council is going to be fair and, uh, and impartial.
0: Yeah, I was, I was going to say, who's going to run democratic elections?
2: It yeah, would, yeah. It would I have mean, to be the, outside the, observers. The past three elections have been, uh, uh, have had their own fair share of doubts, especially the constituent assembly one, because they have, they, have, they have no way to audit or know if it, what happened really happened. It, what people voted was really what people voted, and there is no there, there, there is no opposition leadership anymore. I mean, what what what, what remains is either collaborationist or has been reduced to insignificance, because everyone lost lost their trust in their opposition too. Yeah, can I just
0: just go, run through a couple of basic. Rights that you we all think you need to to live in a free sort of society. So, when it comes to freedom of speech and freedom of expression, what's that like in Venezuela?
2: It's always been a troublesome case. We, the government will tell you, if you ask them right now, that we have absolute freedom of speech, but it's a lie. Uh, <clears throat> The, they implemented a, a, a media gag law a few years ago that reduces the, the amount of things you can say. The, 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 you have to give the government, for every hour of transmission, you have to give them one minute to for them to take over. The government will take over uh, all broadcasts uh, when they want to say something. There's nothing you can do. You can't protest it. You just have to do it. Uh, and uh, like I said, recently they uh, they implemented a new anti-hate speech law, which can get you 20 years in prison for either saying or even posting uh, hateful messages. But the thing is, they are the ones that determine what's hateful and what's not.
1: So you... you
0: yeah we we have very similar problems in south africa um well they 're
1: starting to creep in
0: yeah. yeah when we have a we have a, a law that essentially says that you 're not allowed to also commit hate speech, but once again, the interpretation of what hate speech is uh, is very variable and we have this court that kind of decides that um, and they 've been caught out being very um biased and hypocritical. Uh, on numerous occasions. So, um, one person says you should kill X people and that's fine, uh, because of his potent, uh, specific demographic, say, um, and another person says this exact same thing, but about a separate demographic or, or, or a hateful thing about a separate demographic. And that's, that is, uh, seen as, as hateful. And that person's then fined and, and chastised. Um, what's, uh, what? Yeah. yeah sorry. Go for it.
2: There was a case. Uh, the people have been jailed for for, for making tu- tweets like those here. Uh, like, that, like you just explain. <clears throat> and there are many things that I don't want to say. I want to say, but I can't or won't. Sure. No, we don't want... on social media because you know.
1: No, we don't want to get you into trouble. But we we get the the gist of of the of of your reasoning. I mean, the difference here we can't get jailed yet. For for so-called hate speech, not yet. We are fined yeah. and um, and all that, but there's no jailing of yet. So another aspect of a, a relatively free society is property rights. So you own your whatever you own your your pencil, your phone, your computer. You know that's all sacrosanct and no one can take it from you. I somehow yeah. don't think that applies in Venezuela. Because you just said, if you mine crypto, the government will just take your computer away.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, property rights have been context, they are, they are on a constitution, but that doesn't mean they care the fact that it's on the constitution. They will expropriate, uh, your businesses if they want. They already done it. They don't care. Uh, <clears throat> but things like, okay, right. You can have a house. You can have a car, but, uh, you're always, if you have some sort of business or company, you're, you're risking too much because. They will take it whenever they want. They will seize it. They already done it so many times. They have seized from car, vehicle plant uh, factories, to cleaning products, to everything.
0: Okay, so we've got uh, no freedom of speech, no property rights. Uh, sorry, I'm not. I'm not uh, making light of it at all. It's. 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 No. No. It's. It's. You know. Right. it It's. Just uh, <laughs> shocking. Um, and of course, you've mentioned already, I mean, the police and the military will have the dominance in terms of force. Uh, they, they, they will have all of that. But are there any civilians who own guns? Are you allowed to own weapons?
2: No, we are not allowed to own guns anymore.
0: Okay. And, and I mean, I think this is an important point because I know there's a lot of, um, people, you know, we, we're quite pro-gun rights. Um mm-hmm. legal you know etc, and all of the re- rest of that stuff but um you know there are a lot of people who are anti guns because they they don 't see a purpose and i I think this is exactly something like they have the second amendment, for example, in the United States. this is exactly the reason that that exists right it, uh-huh. is if you need to rise up against a tyrannical government, then you can if you, if you if you have gun rights um, if you don't um then essentially you get into a situation where I assume in the protest last year it was people with their bodies versus the government and their weapons.
2: Yes, and uh, there are many armed arm groups, civilian armed groups or paramilitary armed groups by the government. And they fund them, they give them the weapons and everything, but they, in, when they things go out, they will deny it. They have complete plausible deniability.
1: So the government actually hires militias to to do yes. study work.
2: Yes, the the most famous ones are called collectivas. They are like the the civilian community groups, but they are armed and they will. They actually control. They have dominance over the powers of the city. They they, they, they like warlords. They just, something like that. Yes, and they are, they say it openly. They they are, they are they work in defense of the revolution.
1: On their their ideals and everything so okay, so no property rights, no gun rights, no speech rights. Um, what, else, what else is good for a, a society, Jonathan? I mean, other than well, those. the justice
0: system. Uh, you know, uh, we've we've, for example, in South Africa, we've had a failure of our 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 executive. We've we've got a, a president who's very corrupt, uh, has stolen what? a lot, and has allowed friends of his to basically m- manipulate the government uh, to their uh, financial benefit. Um, so our executive is out. Uh, our parliament is run by the president's party. The African National Congress, uh, so that okay. um, uh, they have a majority, so they they put through whatever they want. So, if if at the time they happen to be corrupt, which they are currently, uh, you have no control. So, our last sort of uh, hope is our um, justice system, the courts and uh, we have been quite lucky certainly at the higher level of the courts i think at the lower level we do have problems but at the higher level so we've got a constitutional court which is our highest court uh, supreme court for for want of a better word um mm-hmm. and uh, they have been particularly good in fact they've made rulings against our president uh, which uh, you know has not only embarrassed him but has been financially costly to him and politically costly uh justice system wise do you have any any you know, judges standing up against the government? Or has that all been removed?
2: No, no. The, the, the whole Supreme Court is, uh, is in the government's pocket. I mean, but, but, uh, before, they, they had to renew them because as part of the Constitution, they had to renew it every few years. But after the opposition won the majority in Congress, they renew it like a week or so before they had to... Give, before they lost the majority, before they have to concede their seats, so the the current Supreme Court is just another extended arm of the government, and they are the ones that first neutralized con- the opposition Congress from doing anything. Yeah, t- uh, t-
0: t- tell me, Caleb, you know, essentially it's a it's a it's a particu- it, particularly just des- desperate situation. Um, this this you know it, it's enemy of the state, but it's more like state is the enemy. Um, and it really yeah. is true in your scenario. I mean, Ramon's an anarchist, so the state is always his enemy. But, um, <laughs> in a, in, in, you know, many times in a more metaphorical sense, Ramon will drive home today. No one will really interfere with him. He'll, you know, he'll be fine tonight. He'll turn on his tap and he'll have water. Um, here, you know, you are literally struggling for everything. What do you, you know, we, we do sometimes make light on the show. Um, because we, we hold a, a specific view on the world, but what do you make of people when they earnestly say things like, um, you know, real socialism has never been tried? You know, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, for example, in the UK was a big supporter of, of, of Hugo Chavez and his policies until 2011, 2012. I think he hasn't said much since then, but ideologically he hasn't changed uh, there are uh, lots of people around the world I, I, Justin Trudeau has has praised some forms of communism um what, and 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 obviously many other people you know uh, who who you might not expect as much of uh, from politicians who should know the ideologies but uh, certainly celebrities all over the place who who espouse um socialism who keep cross referencing things like Denmark or, or the Nordic countries which don't practice actual socialism. But, but what, what do you make of that whole um, socialism has never been tried? And, and, and it's just – I think what I've told – what I've read about one of the socialist parties says that, no, Venezuela is just um, capitalism gone awry or something to that effect. What are your views on, on that kind of stuff when you are living in this this situation?
2: It's, it's so convenient for all of them to, to now say that Venezuela is not real socialism when a few years ago, so many publications said it was a, this was a socialist paradise and everyone should copy our success and our glory and everything. And, and everyone, everyone that says that to me, I just invite them to come over. I mean, they can stay in my house. I don't care. I'll give them the full tour, the, the full socialism experience.
0: So they can stay in your house, no food, no water, no electricity. Um, yeah,
2: they, they can, they can go with me to the bread lines, find bread, try to find medicines for my mom. Uh, sure. take, take expired pills like I am doing right now. I'll give them the full, the full experience. Is there, is there
0: any aid coming in? Um, you know, I mean, you talk about medicine. I assume this, the health system has, has largely collapsed. Um, and and as you say pharmaceuticals aren't widely available uh, i i assume there's lots of other things that aren't easily available including surgical procedures and and all the all the investigations required in certain parts of medicine um is there any you know aid coming for for those types of things which which you know, people will die without
2: well i i i have a personal case with that because my mother has cancer and we haven't been able to find proper treatment for her. So I'm, I'm desperate to seeking out any, every organization in the world trying to get some sort of humanitarian aid for her so, so I can get her out. And if she gets the treatment she deserves because she's a doctor, she's a great person mm-hmm. more, more than I'll ever be. And, and, but yes, there is about 85 to 90% of medicine shortage is here. The health crisis, the health system is in complete diso- disaster. You ha- you have a public sector and you have a private sector, but uh-huh. uh, no, not everyone can afford the private sector. And it's always been like that. Uh, for the most part, it's worked because yeah. the public sector, it's not the best. It's not perfect, but it worked. It used to work. But nowadays, it's incomplete. It's, everything is a complete mess. You, you, you can't even find supplies for surgeries. You have to provide the hospital with your own supplies if you want to get a surgery right now, because there, there is nothing. And the government is refusing to let humanitarian aid in the government be covering in the country because they say there is no crisis. They, they say that we don't need help because there is no crisis. Everything is good, and it's just an excuse, a quote unquote, from the U.S. government to invade us. That's their all. Uh, excuse
0: for for, for, for. Yeah, the the third the old third force uh being used as the as the as the excuse the the, and that seems to be always, uh, what governments seem to justify is that someone wants to colonize or invade us or, uh, you're telling us about it now in Venezuela, these Iran protests that happened recently. That's what's being said about them. No, it's the CIA trying to topple the government there, which in, on this occasion, I don't think it actually was. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. But tell me when you're standing in that breadline uh, and you're speaking to, you know, fellow Venezuelans, um you know are people just aware of the situation they 're in they know it 's wrong, and they would love for the government to kind of disappear and to be able to take control of their country again? They just don 't have the means, or are um, people just so focused on surviving that politics really don 't enter it anymore
2: it 's a little bit of both because the problem is we have nothing we have nothing to replace it with right now. The opposition is just as, as a bunch of collaborationists, in my opinion, and they have been reduced to nothing. The government has demolished them. They play their cards right, and now nobody believes in either side. So it's it's a bit of both. I mean, every everyone just wants to get the country back to what it used to be, or at least so to to make it work to, to a certain degree. But at the other hand, you have people that they they are they just want to survive. They just want to feed their families or children so uh, it's it's just, it's a complex situation it's so many so many things that you can't do uh, or, or as a as a regular state descendant
1: so so where do you think this will end up caleb um it, it appears that I, I, only violent revolution or a slow decline to the soviet union um That's, I mean, it appears that that, those are the options. There's no recourse in the law. There's no recourse in politics. There's no recourse in, in, in communal activity. Um, yeah, there's, soon there'll be nothing left to, to, to fight for, so to speak. Um, where do you see it going?
2: I mean, at this point, the only, the only way I see, see it is that for some reason, for some inexplicable reason, the government collapses on its own. it's the only way because they have absolute control on everything. They control the military, they control the police, they, they control the courts, they control the, the electoral center uh, now they have a, an almighty assembly that has the power to, do, to rewrite the constitution if they want. so the only the only, the only way is that they collapse on their own. Somehow, I don't know. Mm. But in my case, I just I have to get my family out. Man, I mean, my mother is sick, and I have a little brother to take care of. And in, the, in my perspective as a citizen, I have no, no no hope here. I have to get them out somehow. That's, that's all I have left.
0: Yeah, just just quickly, what, what's still funding the government? Obviously, there must be some oil revenue, although oil is not as um, expensive as it used to be, uh, and and I assume there are still some families or some connected people who are actually wealthy, uh, because that inevitably happens uh, in these situations. Um, So, so where, where does the money still come from and, and, and who are still the connected people?
2: Well, they, they have, they are managing whatever, what little, all resources we have. They have, they have everything. So it's from that. And they also have a few, Families, or even the military. The, the military is the only thing that's keeping everything together, and they keep them happy. And as long as they're happy, yeah. uh, they won't do anything.
0: It's interesting because uh, just north of our border, Zimbabwe was exactly the same story. So Robert Mugabe had similar um, problems in Zimbabwe by his own creation, uh, runaway inflation, for example, um, and no, not dissimilar to to Venezuela, and. The one way he kept power was by making sure the military always had enough food. The military always paid their salaries um, and the military always looked after. And so there was no way for um, people to kind of overthrow that government. And only when it became clear that uh, there were people from outside of the military who wanted to uh, take over from from him. And that threatens the military. Some of the people in the military's um safety, and, and I suppose the trough that they feed from. Uh, only then did, did did that cause the sort of coup that that ended up happening there.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the military became some sort of super high caste here. They have. They are the ones with the benefits and everything. Yeah. 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 And it used to be used to be the other way around. The military was was here to serve the citizens. Now. They're they they above
1: everyone else. Do you, um, do you think there's any uh, major reformers within... Well, you said there's no politics anymore, really. But do you think that... Sh- is there a collaborator of Maduro's who will take him out and, and have the possibility to to undo a lot of the harm? Or do you think it's, it's too far gone now? It, it could happen,
2: but I don't see it like it like it might anytime soon because there are there are in fact in the government there are a few factions you have the military side you have the really hardcore uh, lefty, left left communist left side uh, faction and you have a more uh, a more moderate civilian faction and they're all always struggling for control but so it, it could happen but i don't see it happening anytime soon
1: yeah, so so, Caleb. Um, just to we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna end it just now. How do we support you? Yeah. How do we help you? If our listeners really want to help out with something, what is the best way to do it?
2: Well, we are quite kind of economically disconnected from the outside world because it is legal for us to have any sort of currency that isn't our, our own. <clears throat> but I managed, with the help of some friends, I managed to open a Patreon and a PayPal. and Through a few shady means that I can't say openly, I'm able to convert some of that money in, into Bolivares, which is our currency. And I've been saving the rest to, to, for an escape plan. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that would be the, also Bitcoin or something like that, but uh, that's more tricky here.
0: And, uh, if, if, if people would like to donate to, to that, that, uh, Patreon or, 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 pay, or PayPal.
1: We'll, we'll, I, you'll give us the links. I mean,
2: uh, yes, I will. I,
1: Perfect. We'll put it up for you. Yeah. All
2: right. Thank you so uh, much. Man. Lo- last, I appreciate
0: it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last thing is, um, sorry. I did forget earlier that the, the, the free press would also be part of a, a functioning country. I, sh- I assume you don't have that. Um,
2: no, no. Um, uh, All government, the, is, the media, the, the media as a whole, uh, a, a large majority is owned by the government, yeah, and it's just a, a huge propaganda machine twenty-four that runs twenty-four-seven,
0: yeah.
2: And what's left of the private media is has been self-censored in order to survive,
0: yeah.
2: Uh, a few international TV channels have been banned over the past four years, like CNN and a few local ones, a few Colombian, Argentinian. Once there have been a many news websites that have been blocked, yes, so you have to open them to other means, yes. which
0: is what I was going to get to. Is is um, I, I came across you on Twitter, we've, we've been chatting through that, that platform, mm-hmm. um, so I assume that's still open for the time being. Um, the, no, no sign of the government shutting that down at this stage.
2: No, it would be a huge backlash for them to do it right now, but oh, really, with the new. With the new hate speech law, they can do it. Okay. They can, for they can, they, now they have, they have the, the legal means to do it. But they haven't yet.
0: And that would apply to Facebook as well and, and all the other social media platforms.
2: Yeah, everything. It Every, uh, applies to any website in the, in, the, in the planet.
0: All right, Caleb, look, uh, I uh, have to say that's an incredibly sobering uh, hour of conversation. Um, uh you know it's uh it's easy to read on these uh things about how how bad it is and and what the situation is and what people are doing to survive but uh it's quite different to hear it from the horse's mouth so to speak so uh, thank you for coming on the show
2: it was a pleasure man anytime
0: it's a pleasure to have you um to our listeners at this point we often ask you to donate towards our show i think for uh, this episode certainly uh, we would ask you uh, if you 've if you 've got the means, um, we will get the links we will post those on our various platforms uh please donate towards Caleb because uh he is in quite a dire situation, uh, obviously just trying to get by uh trying to buy food and uh, then with a sick family member as well who who can't find treatments in a country where the health s- system has collapsed. So um, really, really appreciate you coming on, really appreciate you sharing with us and uh, at, I'm sure at some risk because uh, this is uh, not the normal propaganda that your government would like there to be out no. there. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, very grateful and, and uh, thank you so much.
2: No, I'm. I'm also grateful that you let me share my experiences through with, with these means. Because
0: all right, Caleb, uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely keep in touch, and uh, I really do hope things get better for you.
2: Thanks, man. I hope you have a fantastic evening,
0: you and Ramon. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's quite uh, quite the story, and quite the goings on, Ramon.
1: Well, yes, I mean everything that is being reported appears to be true. And, um, if you support the EFF in any way and you support their policies in any way. Yeah. that, well, is, the con- would, that is the consequence. Yeah. That you're looking In at. South Africa, it's the EFF. Um,
0: in anywhere else in the world, it's anyone who comes with uh, socialism. And I would be cautious of it's something called democratic socialism. Uh, because, uh, as you heard, uh, they were, they democratically elected, uh, Hugo Chavez they democratically elected the socialist yep. and uh, this is where it ended up um and with strong uh principles in place uh, be they laws part of a constitution whatever it is
1: no, that they got, protect they got, certain they got, rights they have a great constitution the constitution doesn't mean that's mean well they've changed thing. it they've changed it to they've changed to, it but they're still in the new one there's still free speech and there's still private property but if you've got no one to protect those clauses, it's just words on paper at the end of the day. So, I mean, if you, if you, as I said, if you support any person who says the government will do what is best for you, you need to seriously reconsider your views. Uh, hopefully, based on what we just um, discussed with Caleb.
0: Yeah. Well, even if you don't uh, reconsider. Your view on the government as a whole—I know that's a step too far for some people—but uh, certainly your views on the way things should be run and the power that should be given to the state—that—that uh, uh, that certainly should be of concern. Right, and he is—he uh, is exceptionally desperate, and—and and I mean, it's just a just a horrible situation.
1: Right. So, as a with with uh, without asking the patrons. You know up front, but we think that they yeah, would agree with us. We we've elected to donate a monthly, uh, a month, what you call it,
0: whatever our income is in this month of January. Yeah. Uh, whatever we received because it would have come through um, a couple of days ago. So we'll go back, we'll look at that, and whatever that income was, uh, we will donate that in full to uh, to Caleb. Yes, I think uh, he probably needs it more than we do.
1: So right, good. certainly so. Um, and, um, yeah, so as, I mean, it's difficult because we, you know, you never met Caleb, uh, those who are listening. But if you are able to, to support his work, uh, if you have to choose between us and him, choose him. Yeah, absolutely. He, his is about survival. Ours is about growing a podcast. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no, do, no debate. No. If you would
0: like to follow him or get in touch with him, he is on Twitter at Caleb Prime. That's uh, with a K. Uh, and we will uh, upload uh, his Patreon, PayPal, etc. All those uh, ways that you could uh, provide him with a bit of help. We will uh, upload those onto a pa- our page, onto the uh, Twitter link when we when we tweet it out. Uh, and uh, once again, uh, thank you for listening. Quite a sobering show, as I mentioned, and something to think about. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye.